This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Whakatane by Mawera Karatai. Kia Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well. What is the plan for the long weekend? Um, well, we have just got my questions back from the examiners, so I'm going to be creating a presentation for them, and it's just going to be such a joy because it was the things they want to know about were so positive and affirming. So Whoa-ho. I'm happy, Sam. but they are good things about making the presentation richer and and positive and things that they want to hear about so that's cool you've told a good story and they want to hear more so um what what i was really blown away by was the sudden realization that so much of what i'd written was in an aotearoa context and i didn't think about how other people from outside of our beautiful country would we wouldn't be able to understand some of the things unless they'd been here and, and had this uh, connection to our culture. So, yeah, that was kind of interesting. And so I get to unpack that beautiful cultural stuff um, in the presentation. I'm excited, Sam. Right. Very happy. It's awesome news. And who are we introducing today? Oh, my gosh. Today, um, <laughs> I, get, I have the great pleasure of introducing Jim Dyers, who describes himself as a community guy, but he's so much more than that. We had a visit from Jim um, to Fakatani from America uh, some like eight years ago, seven or eight years ago, and the impact of his visit is still talked about in our community today and was the, um, the impetus for so much incredibly positive change. Jim, it is such an honour to have you here with us today and thank you for joining us. Oh, Kiara, it's uh, it's such a uh, such a pleasure for me to be with you. Uh, I have such fond memories of my visit to uh, Fakatani. Um, beautiful place, just gorgeous, and wonderful people. And people were so welcoming to me. Uh, and I picked up some great stories that I share every place I go. <laughs> Where are you, Jim? I'm on uh, Bashan Island, which is the home of the Puyallup. Um, and uh, we're in the Salish Sea. Um, 15 minute ferry ride from Seattle. That sounds like a nice place to be during a pandemic. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a great view of Mount Rainier, the Olympic Mountains, the Cascades, the sea. It's, it's, a, it's a, almost as nice as Fakatani. <laughs> Have you always been there? No, I was uh, born in um, Canada, grew up in Iowa. Um, graduated from high school in the Bay Area, San Francisco area, but been in Seattle area for 45 years, lived in the city of Seattle for 35, and then been out on this island for about 13. Is it a commutable distance? 
It is. It's a 20 minute ferry ride and then you're in downtown Seattle. So it's it's actually an easier commute than when I lived in a neighborhood in Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a world away. It's very rural. um, Just, you know, lots of forests, uh, beautiful place and a strong sense of community, strongest sense of community I've ever felt. So I'm a distant swimmer. Is it a swimmable distance? <laughs> uh, people have done it. <laughs> it's pretty cold water. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty used to that. <laughs> so we've been asking, so in New Zealand, I don't know if you know, we've been calling the um, people's safe spaces, their, their, their small connections, their bubbles. That's, that's why the show's called Blowing yeah. Bubbles. So we've yeah. been asking people how their bubble life was. So how's your bubble yeah. life been? You know, you know, I love that title because I have friends in the Magnolia neighborhood in Seattle who have organized their block, and every week they have an event called Bubbles, Bubbly, and Buses. And they get together and they drink bubbly while they blow bubbles, and they thank all the bus drivers for, for their work, and they cheer up the, the passengers on the bus, and they've been doing this every week through the pandemic. Um, and that's kind of been my experience. The pandemic's been tough. You know, I, I have family members who have uh, who who have had COVID. I have friends that I've lost to COVID. Uh, I've had to do all my work remotely. But the upside is, I've never spent more time in my own neighborhood. I've never felt more connected to community than I do now, and I've never appreciated community like I do now because it's community that has gotten me through this pandemic. Um, I, I tell you, we're on this island where there is no local government. People watch out for each other. We organized at the block level to do mutual support so we know who needs help. We People brought them whatever they needed, you know, food, toilet paper, uh, company, child care, uh, neighbors, watching after neighbors, really powerful. We uh, didn't have any masks. We couldn't, they, they were in short supply. So neighbors came together and knitted them. And uh, and uh, thousands of masks and delivered them to people's homes. Beautiful masks that people feel proud to wear. Um, we had we have a shortage of um, medical staff and we had no PPE equipment. So people came up with a low um, uh, with with a, a testing that could be self administered, all done by volunteers. Um, vaccine stations all put together by volunteers. Um, we had artists, lots of artists on the island, and they did performances to encourage people to get vaccinated and tested. We had musicians that would do concerts free at night, online concerts. Um, we have a um, regular events on fashion, like a parade. Instead of everybody coming downtown to do the parade, the parade went to the people, and they went all around the island, and people just sat in their front yards and watched the parade, socially distanced. So... Um, it's really, community did amazing things. And we had, everybody contributed. We had this guy named David, who's identified as an individual with developmental disabilities. And he tried to figure out, what can I do to help? And he started a flower delivery business. And he takes flowers to people who are lonely. He takes flowers to people who are grieving. He takes flowers to the leaders of a lot of these community initiatives to thank them for their contributions. And his biggest gift isn't the flowers, it's, it's his smile. <laughs> It's just radiant. And uh, that's what it's like. You know, that's what community is about, supporting each other. And I think also it's been an opportunity to reflect more on some of the issues we're facing. Um, 
I've never ex appreciated nature like I have over the last couple of years. I spend a lot of time out in nature. I'm close to nature. And I think we find more and more people discovering nature and, and realizing how important it is. And my hope is that well, people will realize just as we made radical change to deal with the pandemic, we can also make radical change to deal with climate change. You know, and it's also the time at which uh, social justice issues came to the fore uh, with the murders of, of, of black men and women by police, um, where we had dispropor disproportionate percentage of black Americans and Latina Americans dying from COVID because of lack of access to health care, um, where we started to really appreciate our our frontline workers who got us through this, whether they're in grocery stores, whether they were delivery people, um, how they came through for us. And so I think there's a strong push now for more justice to deal with this huge gap we have in income, to uh, start paying living wages to people um, and realizing we're all part of that community. You know, in, in some ways our bubble has gotten bigger. You know, it's, it's, it's not just one kind of people in that bubble, it's, it's everybody. Sorry, at, long answer, but I... <laughs> at the start of the pandemic here, when they were talking about um, getting laptops out to the primary schools, and the, there was a journalist asking yeah. the Secretary of Education, whose name completely escapes me, um, about, you know, is it equitable what they're doing? And she had the, the, the response that a pandemic doesn't create inequities, it just reveals them. And I think that yeah. you were describing yeah. Yeah. similar sorts of things there. That's right. That's right. And and new strategy. My my uh, daughter teaches school. She teaches some tough kids uh, who are having a hard time in life, um, English Spanish speaking kids. And she found that the pandemic actually made it easier for her to help these kids because she was able to work with them more one on one. Uh, she was able to meet them where they were at. They had smaller class sizes, and a lot of the more privileged parents were pushing for to get back to school as it was. And she said, we don't want to do the normal. It's got to be a new normal that's more just. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Young Bloods get together. Why this one? Oh, Young Bloods. Well, it's it's something, um, something I'm increasingly passionate about, which is community in itself isn't necessarily a good. Um, we have communities of white racists we call Nazis, and we have communities we call gangs. And I think community is only good if it's inclusive, if it brings different people together, people with different perspectives. And I think over time, our communities have become defined too much by one kind of people. It's a community of interest. It's a community of identity. So we get people with all the same politics coming together, people with all the same culture coming together, people with the same age coming together, people with the same religion coming together. And it's the same politics coming together. And I think it's hugely problematic. We're just having, particularly in America, just huge issues around our democracy, about the increasing polarization between people. And uh, one of the reasons I'm so passionate about sort of place-based communities, about, about local, is because at the local level, you have differences. You have people from different cultures, different incomes, different politics, different religions, different ages, different sexual orientations, all living in the same place. And if you can cut across those differences and identify as one community, as a neighborhood or as a town, uh, it, you, you start getting rid of those differences. So this whole thing about coming together and, and, and what we need is love, 
uh, isn't a trite thing. I think it is the most important thing we can do right now uh, is come together across our differences and love one another right now. Love is but a song we sing Fears we will die You can make the mountains ring Or make the angels cry Smile on your brother, 
talking about working from home what work do you yeah. what work do you do i it's actually fun <laughs> i do community building so i i uh, do lots of traveling you know I, I work i've been working in 17 different countries um around this whole idea about how do we build community and how do we build really inclusive community and how do we value community and particularly i do a lot of work with um local government and with ngos to help them realize it this can't just be about services. It's got to be about community, that there's a role for agencies and services, but there's also this huge role for community. And there's many things. In fact, I think the things that are most important in our lives are done best by community. So it's, 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 um, uh, so that's what I do. I work, do workshops, give talks. Um, and it's, I love it because I, it's all different. You know, sometimes I'm working with young people, sometimes with older people, sometimes with immigrants and refugees, sometimes with indigenous people, sometimes with, um, you know, business, small businesses around a whole variety of issues, whether it's around, um, housing affordability or, um, uh, economic development or, um, uh, just care for one another, uh, around climate change. Uh, so it keeps it really interesting for me. And as I travel, I just pick up new ideas and stories from people and I get inspired. I got the best job in the world. I just meet them. I, you know, I have a really skewed sense of the human race because the people I come in contact with are really positive. They're trying to make a difference in their communities. And that's what gives me hope. It's like there's people like that everywhere I go in the world working really hard to make their communities a better place. And they often wonder, what difference am I making? You know, I'm just working in my small community. and We've got these huge global issues. But recognizing the collective will be part of this huge community building movement that's, that's happening globally. Uh, and I think that's what's going to make a difference around the things we really care about. So it's work I'm passionate about. Um, I have a hard time knowing when I'm working and when I'm playing. <laughs> Um, so I feel really privileged that way. I directed a department of neighborhoods for the city of Seattle. So I've worked as a bureaucrat and I've, I've worked in healthcare and I've worked in uh, housing affordability with the, and I've worked as a community organizer, just raising hell. But, uh, but the common themes through all that is community. Do you think that there is going to be a fingerprint in our understanding of community after the the pandemic has has it given us any insights into what community means oh i think for sure as you know as i was saying i think everybody most people are living closer to home right now and so they're getting much more connected with their families they're getting more connected with their neighbors uh even though we have to do with masks or we might have to do it from six feet distance uh we're connecting with each other um I think people are realizing how important community is. I think I've heard so many stories about how people have changed their values and that their values were chasing the dollar, looking for happiness with more commodities. And they're starting to realize the happiness comes from community and it comes from relationships. Uh, So many people now are quitting their jobs. They're just, you know, they've they've got new priorities in their life. Uh, I think people are really coming back to community. They're coming back to their neighborhoods. They're realizing that's, where that's where we find real meaning in our lives. 
And I think that a lot of agencies are uh, waking up too and realizing they don't have the resources to do what's needed. Um, and they really do need community. They're realizing the role communities play in helping us get through the pandemic. Uh, so I, I hope that there's be a huge change in the way that local government and other NGOs do their work as well that really values community and doesn't just think this is a job for professionals to fix communities, but that only communities can really build community. You're talking about lots of community initiatives that have started during the the pandemic around the world. Do you think that, do you think we'll learn from that? Do you think that they'll stick? Uh, have those things, have those things got a long, a long tail? Maybe yeah. that's the good version of the COVID long tail. <laughs> I th- I think they will stick. Um, I I my my experience is that people for a long time felt very disempowered and very um, um, yeah very disempowered. What why should I get involved? I can't make a difference. Whether that's with local government, whether that's with your neighbors, the issues are too big. And I think it's stories. It's seeing things in action where people see that they can make a difference. And I think through the pandemic, we've really experienced how community has a huge role to play. And people are starting to reflect about how they could use those that, that same energy to deal with some of the other issues that we're facing. And, and that was clear with, with uh, uh, fighting for Black Lives Matter uh, or whether it's around climate change. I just see a lot of uh, new initiatives happening and I attribute a lot of it to people's experience with the pandemic. The theme of our show is positive but not diluted. And and so it's it's about we want to take a positive, have a positive mindset, but also not just be some kind of doolally. Let's ignore the the the, the things that are happening sure. around sure. us. And, and you're, you're you're mentioning that about the strength of the community in addressing those sorts of challenges that, that, that things like Black Lives Matter. Well, what's the relationship between being positive and that being aware and, and dealing with those real meaty issues yeah you know i think the only way to deal with those real meaty issues is to be positive uh if you aren't positive if you aren't optimistic you aren't going to take them on you're just going to give up and that's too many too many people gave up too many people were looking outside their community for all the answers and i think we're starting to realize that the answers are are with us and that we're the ones who have the power to address it you talked about how being positive gives you gives you hope is that a yeah. part of that message that though that being positive getting on and doing stuff is actually self-reinforcing to actually make positive things yeah. happen yeah no question about it no question about it you know I, I got into this work because i care deeply about uh social justice and about peace and uh the environment i was an activist from an early age i think it was because my parents they're activists so that you know i was involved in civil rights movement anti-war movement and one day my mom said to me, and it, it, even in high school, I organized a hunger march in Iowa to raise money for the Black Panther breakfast program and for um, Operation uh, Bootstrap in Tanzania for food for people. And my mom said to me one day, Jim, you care so much about people on the other side of the world. When's the last time you visited our neighbor who's housebound? And it really stuck with me. And that's, you know, it, it, it's sort of like, how can you care theoretically without caring about the people you're around, the people you touch. So that was one message. The other one was 
when I was doing, um, I, I went to an activist college and the whole student body was in the streets every day protesting the war, but nobody from the town in which this college was located, the small town in Iowa. And I thought, how are we going to make a difference if it's just the students who are in the streets all the time? How do we get more people questioning what's going on? How do we get more people to take responsibility and learned about community organizing? Um, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Saul Alinsky, but the work basically said, you know, it came out of the labor movement in the 1930s and said, basically, there's two kinds of power in our society. There's the power of money and there's the power of people. And if you don't have a lot of money, you better have a lot of people because that's how you make change. Uh, and his whole his whole rap was you need to start local. You need to start where people are at. People are feeling powerless. So you can't start with world peace. You can't start with, you know, you got to start with small things where people can see they're making a difference. So because uh, if you work on world peace, they're not going to see world peace immediately. They're not going to see climate change solved. They're, they're going to give up. So you need to you need to start with small steps and then link it to bigger issues. And so that's been my what I've been trying to do all my life is is really working very locally to bring new people in or bring them together, but all the time raising the bigger issues and making connections between their local situation and the bigger issues and help people start coming together across those communities so that we have more power to work on the bigger issues. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orakanui, Dunedin's favorite goddess. Tahu I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars and everybody of universes. And I really hope wherever you are, whatever's happening at this journey that we're all on to giving to be, very very sustaining and illuminating for you and who you are trying to nature's are perfect, unique and here. Thank you. Now I know that for all of us, the last more than a year has been very intense. We've had so many changes, aspects of ourselves. You and love so we're having to dwindle away in the face of underutilization and new aspects of ourselves happening springing. So it's been a really fascinating time to be alive and I am grateful that we are and that we are alive now together and support and sustain each other. And I'm so grateful, of course, to be part of the show. Big mahi to Sam and the whole Blown Bowls team. And to all of you, thank you. It's made a huge difference to my life to be able to speak with you in this way. Thank you. Now, of course, as a species, not only do we innately long for connection and long for a sense of community and communion with a much wider pool of life, we also long to communicate who we are, what we feel, what we perceive. And in doing this, of course, we add more and more consciously to that process of co-evolution that we're all part of in an infinite web with all life. And as life always has, we are turned together. At this time, of course, it's so important that we also draw upon other structures, other rituals, other ways of finding meaning that can really serve to give us a sense of security and belonging at this time. As a species, of course, we've always enjoyed ritual, a way of marking moments as so sacred and significant important that we remember them. Our community remembers us, that we forge these links in time and space so that we know who we are and we've forgotten. For me, of course, at the moment, I'm enjoying revolutionising the Womanshan once again as the wonderful Harvey Penfold has headed away up north. So I now have the Womanshan to myself again in the process of transforming it back into my own space 
is a, a very joyful ritual for me and one which is very healing and nourishing as well. So I really hope for you, whatever rituals you can enjoy at the moment, whether it is transforming your external space or doing something which acknowledges the transformation in your internal universe, I hope you can find a way of honouring the changes that are taking place for you right now. And as I talk to you, of course, it is a beautiful Aote-Porte Stuneden day and I will not only be transforming my Womanchin, but also the Womanchins of Lucy, Rose and Evelyn, the new Wahine Atahua at Hei HQ, my three new hens who are so friendly and beautiful and will come and sit on my knee, make sure that their house is doing very well. And of course, Poirot and Hastings are here with me. And later today I will be meeting with my friend to see how we can do lots of film festival creative stuff together. So even though significant aspects of our lives have changed, when we have the opportunity to nurture those around us with ritual, our lives are greatly enriched. We also discover things, I think, that we may have forgotten were there. And this is a wonderful process as well. So I really hope for you in this time, whatever you're doing to care for yourself, you have the pleasant surprise of aspects of yourself arising again to assist you. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much. Kakitu. Thank you, Tahu. You are listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Jim Dyers. Jim, when you were here in Whakatani, I was I think I was just starting to cut my activist teeth and before you said about the power of money versus the power of people. And we had a situation here uh, where we were trying to establish representation for Māori in our local government. And we came up against the power of money as there was an interest group who did not want us to have our own representation. And they they hit the community with a phenomenal amount of money and they stopped us in our tracks. But so inspired by the way that you got us thinking when you were here, that was not enough to stop us from our activism work. And we continued on and then we we actually managed to get the law changed. Oh, that's and great. I, and that's I great. actually credit a lot of that with the, the way that you changed our thinking and gave us the power to be able to make those positive changes in our community. We got the power of people. Oh, wow. That, that's, that's that's <laughs> that congratulations i didn't know that um i i have filed the story in new plymouth and was so inspired by the mayor there and the movement he led and just the conversations that he had with people along that long walk to talk about racism and talk about you know justice uh i thought it was brilliant um uh so i i i really get inspired by people like you as well just those are the stories I share. And sharing those stories gives other people ideas about what they can do. Say, hey, if they did it, maybe I could do it, right? And, and we build a movement. And one of the stories I got really inspired by was that um, center that you have there in Fakatani. I, I, I don't know how you pronounce it. Uh, Pau Fakaro? Yeah. I was just blown away. I, You know, I, I go there and it's this, as I remember, it was kind of an industrial setting. And, uh, but the way it, it's a center for people, as I remember with, with uh, development disabilities and people with addiction issues and mental health issues, but instead of focusing on their issues, 
they focused on their strengths and their gifts. I, I, I was so impressed. And the way they can work so hard to connect them with the larger community by building, by, by emphasizing everybody's gifts rather than focusing on everybody's needs. It was brilliant. Uh, you know, a cafe where they're serving the local workers. With, so, so building relationships with with them. When I was there, they were dedicating that. Um, they did the unveiling for the uh, car that was smashing through the front of the building. <laughs> the local workers had worked with people in the center to to uh, build that car, and and uh, it was such a cool project. And I saw these micro enterprises where people with disabilities were doing really creative projects. Like one guy developed a. a uh, pet casket business to <laughs> build caskets for pets. There was a woman I remember who who knitted baby clothes and she's uh, and was selling those. And I just found out my daughter was pregnant, so I bought her a whole bunch of her baby clothes. <laughs> and they had a time bank where people were you know who were identified as people with disabilities were sharing their skills and gifts with the larger community, and then in turn getting what they needed from other community members. Uh, there was educational programs that were led by everybody, including people who thought they had no education, uh, who, who really knew their culture or really knew how to, you know, do good gardening or knew, you know. Um, that was a story that really, really stuck with me. I was, and it was an example of what, I, what I'm talking about. How do we build really inclusive communities and recognize everybody's got needs and everybody's got gifts and communities all about recognizing each other's, you know, supporting each other's needs with each other's gifts. But in our society, over time, we've created two classes of people. We got the people with the gifts. We got the people with the needs. And so we got volunteers and clients. We got different classes. And you can't build community. You know, that's how you build services. And in many ways, the places with, with the strongest community are the places with the fewest agencies trying to help community. It's interesting, um, just now as you were talking, I just had the sudden thought that you're talking, when talking about Pofakaro, which I just take it for granted, it's this incredible place in our community, they do amazing things. And, and as you say, the focus is on what is your positive, not what's your negative. And then I suddenly thought of all of our kids in high schools in Aotearoa who will shortly be taking their exams for what we call NCEA, which is their final years of high school, uh -huh. And that is entirely focused on on what they don't know because it's yeah. not a celebration of what they do know. It's like, oh, you don't know that? Big crap, you fail, you're yeah. a loser. Yeah. That really negative approach to education. We actually need to we need to give that space to our kids as well. Hey. Eh? Yeah, no, it just you know, most of our population we've labeled by what they don't have. You know, we label people as homeless because they don't have homes. We label people as poor because they don't have money. We label people as at-risk youth. We label people as, you know, just non-English speaking. We label people just one after the other that always focuses on what they're missing uh, rather than focusing on their gifts. And focusing on gifts is the basis for community. And then we wonder why all those people aren't active in our communities because we've defined them out of community. We define them as clients rather than as fellow citizens. And we and and each of those labels that we put on people is almost an accusation, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's this great project in Ames, Iowa that was called Beyond um, Welfare. And they recognized that everybody had poverty in their lives. 
And for some people, poverty is a lack of money. And for other people, poverty is a lack of meaning and relationships. And they found that often that people with the most money had the least meaning and the fewest relationships. So they bring people together across class to help each other with their poverty. It's, it's like everybody's got something to offer. We need everybody in community. You were talking about positive stories. How do we get more cut through with those that strength-based stories? It's too easy for the deficit-based stories yeah. to, to, to fill our airwaves. Have you I think it's people like, getting that story it, through? I think the trick is having people like you who have who have the means to get the stories out to the people. So it's it's about and I think a lot of that is local media. You know, it's it's the neighborhood newspapers, it's the local radio stations. Uh, the major media always focuses on the problems. You know, they're focusing on the crime and this all that, and so people are living behind closed doors. Uh, it's about how do we get those those stories out. Lots of lots of different ideas people have used. Sometimes they create websites of positive stories. I, I know there was a place in Ireland that was trying to create 1,000 inspiring stories and get those on the website. I was in Singapore, and they have the Stories on Wheels. It's a van that comes into your neighborhood, and you get on there and record a short video about good neighbors. And then that van goes to the next neighborhood and plays your story. Now they have thousands of recorded stories. I was in another place where they have a, a theater in their in their town and they create videos on cool stories from uh the communities that have done over the past year that people don't know about they they don't they saw this really cool thing happen in the neighborhood but they didn't know where it came from so the people who uh, help create these stories get brought to the theater in a limousine and they get out the red carpet and uh they walk in and everybody's clapping for them and then they show their videos on the big screen and uh, they get their, you know, their Oscars and, um, and everybody there gets inspired, right? It's those stories that kind of give people a sense, hey, if they did it, maybe I can do it. Or give them an idea, hey, they, they did this here. Maybe we could do that, you know? Um, stories are powerful. We just need to get more of those out. We do a regular idea fair where people have booths and they just set up displays about the community garden they built, or a cool art project they did, or young people who led a, led a, 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 an initiative to deal with homophobia. Uh, and and they're there, and, and the people who, who did those projects are sitting right there. So you go around from station to station and learn about their projects and meet the people who did it and get mentored to do a similar project yourself. So there's lots of ways to do it, it just mainly takes, takes a will. Let's squeeze in the second of your music choices. Let's have Patti Smith, People Have the Power. Why this one? Oh, man, that's what it's all about. It's like the first thing is bringing people together. And then it's about once people come together to recognize the incredible power we have. If you think about it, community is the key to everything we care most deeply about. It's the key to care. You know, agencies can provide services, but all the communities can provide unconditional care 24-7. It's the key to safety and, and crime prevention. Police can enforce laws, but only communities can prevent crime. You know, we spend way too many resources lining up the ambulances at the bottom of the cliff when community's job is to build the fence at the top. Community is the key to the disaster recovery. Uh, Leanne Delzell, mayor of uh, Christchurch, told me the number one lesson they learned. Yes, it's important to have the plans, but there's nothing more important than knowing your neighbors. Because when those earthquakes came, there weren't enough emergency crews to get out beyond the central city. 
places like Littleton and Sumner and Brighton, people were totally dependent on their neighbors. That's what got them through. I've seen that over and over again with bushfires, with earthquakes, with flooding. People totally dependent on their neighbors. Uh, social justice. No major social change has ever come top down. It all comes bottom up. Here, it's the civil rights movement, the women's rights movement, the gay lesbian rights movement, the environmental movement, the disability rights movement. Every major change comes bottom up with so with strong communities, we can't make change. Our whole democracies depend on strong communities. Health. Only about 15% of health outcomes can actually be attributed to healthcare professionals. If you think about it, communities are the key to our mental health. They're the keys to the behaviors that influence our health. They are the keys to the social determinants of health. All kinds of studies show that the key things affecting our health are things like our income, our physical environment, our natural environment, all of which can be better influenced by community than they can by healthcare professionals. So people have the power. Patty Smith understands. I've gotten all the way through this conversation without asking you about the politics in America. What's been been the effect on communities of the polarizing of the the communication? Um, You know, when you talk about that, we really are in a bubble. We have huge bubbles in America. Um, When Donald Trump was running for office the first time, I thought, no way he's going to be elected. I don't know anybody who's voting for him. And it turned out that 4% of the people on my island voted for Donald Trump. Um, But I know other communities where 96% of the people voted for Donald Trump. And that's kind of the way we become very polarized. It tends to be more the rural south uh, areas that have become very conservative and the urban areas that are more um, progressive. Um, There was an interesting thing done just after the election um, when Trump was elected, uh, where uh, um, uh, a newspaper in Seattle took a busload of Seattle voters 
to rural Oregon, to the closest town they could find that voted exactly the opposite of how we voted in Seattle. And instead of starting with the politicians and the politics, they started by having a conversation about values, started having a conversation about priorities, and it was amazing how much they agreed on. Um, I think one of the reasons we've become so polarized is people are feeling desperate. People are working harder and harder and, and not seeing themselves get ahead. Uh, they're um, not feeling listened to by politicians, whether they're Democrats or Republicans. Um, and, um, and so I think it really does come back to how do we connect in community? And, those and start having those discussions again, like we had in, with the people in Oregon, but do it on a day, regular basis. I mean, just that's that's how we live, right? On those, yeah, those diverse communities. You're talking about returning to or to, to going to a new normal. Do you think it is a is it a business as usual new normal we're going back to, or is, is it something different? Well, new normal is not business as usual. It's yeah, it's 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 about doing something very different. Uh, it's about um, it's coming back to community again. About recognizing, as I said, the, the the power of relationships over the power of money. It's about uh, remembering how great it's been to have quiet skies and uh, uh, thinking about how can we do our work differently. Maybe maybe we do more of this on Zoom and do more of it remotely. Uh, so that we aren't always in our cars driving everywhere. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, my friend in Ireland said, you know, you shouldn't waste a good crisis. If you know the Chinese character for uh, the crisis, is made up of two characters, actually. One meaning danger and the other meaning opportunity. So with every crisis, we have incredible opportunity. And it would be a real shame to waste this couple of years that's really been agonizing um, and not have good things come out of it. And I'm hopeful that good will come out of it because there was a lot of good that helped us get, get, us, get through this. So what lessons do you think we can take from how we've responded to the pandemic for those bigger sorts of questions that you've been talking about, climate change, social justice, and so on? Well, you know, the first one is just uh, the key one, which is let's get back to community. We've had an incredible breakdown of community everywhere I go, uh, where we're, uh, we have fewer and fewer people in the traditional associations, fewer and fewer families eating dinner together, looking more and more outside our community for all the answers. Uh, uh, so the first one is just remember the experience we've had in the pandemic and how we really were in this all together. You know, it's it's like if one person gets sick or one can't, they aren't isolated. It affects us all. We're all in this together, and we're only going to get out of it by being together. Uh, so I think that's that's the first lesson. Um, the second lesson is just remembering how valuable those essential workers were, how terrible we felt about the very visible injustice of of some people getting COVID more likely than others just because of their position in life and how they've been treated. Um, that we need to hang on to those lessons and really fight for justice and not just say these were our heroes, the frontline workers during the pandemic, but let's, let's really make sure they, they, they're, paid, they're paid right, that they're supported, that, they're part, that they are part of our community, right? And, um, and I think we, uh, nature really helped us get through this, is helping us get through this pandemic as well. I, I, so many people I know, just that's been their escape is just to get out of the house and into nature. 
Uh, there's more people doing bird watching. There's more people taking hikes. There's people out in nature. And my hope is that people will make a connection between that and climate change and, and fighting for um, slowing down climate change. We don't have much time to spare. And, and, and I, I'm also recognizing the dramatic changes we made to deal with the pandemic, you know, closing down schools for a year here, uh, doing it all remotely, people wearing masks everywhere we go. Um, people made radical changes in their lifestyle. And if we can do it in order to save some lives from the pandemic, it seems like we can also do it to save everybody from climate change. But it's going so, to take drastic action. I have some questions to end the show with and almost negative time to do them. So we're going to have to really rattle through them. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Biggest success? Uh, being a grandfather. <laughs> I tell you. First being a father and then being a grandfather really helps you get your priorities straight and you realize what it's all about. And, you know, sometimes you can get all caught up in yourself and your travels and all that. My son said that too. He, he'd been, he's always traveling for work and, you know, he enjoyed the travel and he'd schmooze and he, you know, he, he's in sales. So he would, you know, take people out to dinner and he really enjoyed that. He says, I'm so done with that. He said, the last two years I've been with my son and my family and there's nothing more important. And boy, that I, I just felt so good when he said that. That just hit me hard. Um, yeah, sorry. I'm supposed to go fast. Yeah, I'm supposed <laughs> to go fast. So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's your superpower? My superpower. Sorry, I missed that. Can you do that again? You just- my superpower is my community. I think re- recognizing it's, it's recognizing that no one has no one has no one is a superhero and that we need everyone and i think that we need more of that humility and recognizing that we are all in this together we can't do it ourselves um and you know if, if i have superpowers probably being optimistic it's trying to inspire people sharing stories um but the stories that are, i share are other people's stories you know, stories that have inspired me. So I, uh, I'm i very clear that community is my superpower. So you do consider yourself to be an activist? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. That's quite quite a big call yeah, for I, Americans. Yeah, a lot of time in the streets. It's, it tends, it tends <laughs> to be Americans mayor, that say the no. Before, the, the mayor who, who appointed me to be director of the Department of Neighborhoods for Seattle, the only previous uh engagement I had with him was when we released a live chicken in his office because he backed down on the campaign commitment <laughs> and when we picked it at his house. So I um, really believe in the importance of communities taking responsibility and doing what they do best, but I also really believe in communities having the power to hold government and corporations accountable for what they should be doing. It's it is important to build on our strengths and, and to build on what community can do, but we also need to push for social justice and uh, accountability from those in power. So what challenge or opportunity are you looking forward to in the next year or so? Well, I, I am looking forward to getting out of my office <laughs> and uh, and reconnecting with some of my friends around the world uh, in person. I'm looking forward I'll be doing a lot more in my own community. I've done a lot over the last couple of years, and that's been really fun to actually roll up my sleeves and do what I talk about, uh, building up a community council here, working on lots of local issues in my community, 
and local projects. So I, I'm looking forward to doing more of that. And I'm really looking forward to doing a lot more of this in person. That's that's what I'm really excited about. I, you know, I, I really hate this this Zoom stuff. I, uh, you know, I, I just did a, a keynote for a, a international conference based in Perth. And oh, I did another one in Sydney. And there were hundreds of people in the room. And I had to talk for an hour, a keynote, and I couldn't see a person. <laughs> and it's the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. You know, it's, it's like you have no idea if they're falling asleep, walking out on you. Uh, <laughs> You know, on, on ice cream. I, I thrive on people. You know, it's it's like people's energy. If they're falling asleep, I try to wake them up. If if, if they're looking puzzled, I try to I try to explain things. Um, I hate doing things, you know, uh, impersonally. So I'm I really looking forward to reconnecting. And last, lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? The advice. My main advice would be to reflect on your own, um, on yourself. And your community, what is your community? How inclusive is your community? Do you know your neighbors? Do you focus on everybody's gifts? Um, when have you experienced community at its best? And what can you learn from that to take into the future? Um, what, are you, what are you passionate about? And what are your gifts? And how can you use those to make the world a better place? Thank you for that. Moira. Jim. You have had a profound impact on my practice over the years and uh, just by, you know, the first time I met you when you came to Fakatani, and then by following your work and I just think I must be one of so many people who can um, really appreciate the value of what you do, not just in your own community but in the global community. So I just want well, to say thank you for all of the impact that you have had and I look forward to the day that you can come back to Aotearoa because we miss you. I really look forward to that. There's no place I, I enjoy more. There really isn't um, for lots of reasons because it's such a beautiful place because people are so welcoming. And I think particularly the respect for Maori. Um, you know, I know there's still ways to go, but you guys are so far ahead of the rest of the world and you're really teaching us the importance of that. And, um, and, and so while you're thanking me, I want to thank you uh, because I take so. I always feel like I get so much more myself than I give when I travel. Uh, I meet very inspiring people. I, I do this for a living. I meet people who are doing this for nothing. They're doing it just because they care deeply about their community. Um, and I pick up so many new ideas and so many stories and share those with others. Um, so I want you to know that the work you do also is inspiring people everywhere. So thank you for what you do. Uh, and keep those stories coming. Put them on your radio. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Bring me sunshine in your smile. Bring me laughter all the while. In this world where we live, there should be more Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. 
We are broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Sophie Madeline. Bring me sunshine. I'm Samuel Manasoy's Bay Dunedin with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani, and we've been joined from Vashon Island near Seattle by Jim Dyers. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. Bring me fun, bring me sunshine, bring me love. Bring me fun, bring me sunshine, bring me love. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.